So I appreciate y'all letting me come up here and um, have an opportunity to uh, share God's word with you. Um, let's, um, so let's turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 20. Matthew chapter 15. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. Then Pharisees and scribes came from Jerusalem to Jesus and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break God's commandment? Because of your tradition. For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and the one who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, Whoever tells his father or mother, Whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. He does not have to honor his father. In this way, you have revoked God's word because of your tradition. Hypocrites! Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching his doctrines the commands of men. Summoning the crowd, he told them, Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then the disciples came up and told him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard this statement? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind guide lead the blind, if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. Then Peter replied to him, Explain this parable to us. Are even you still asking and under, lacking in understanding? He asked. Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a man. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Let's pray. Father, we want to come and thank you for your word. We want to thank you that um, you've given it to us. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who comes and to um, teach us and to help us to understand um, what we read. Father, we ask that today that you would help us to um, understand and apply to our lives what, um, what you've written to us. And we ask these things for Christ's sake. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, last week um, Bill talked about the miracles that Jesus performed in Gennesaret. And it was, a, it was a big deal, and the folks in Jerusalem heard about it. And when they heard about what was going on in Galilee they decided we need to send somebody to check this out. So the Pharisees and the scribes came from Jerusalem. Now that's not to say that there were only Pharisees and scribes in Jerusalem because that's not the case. There were Pharisees and scribes that were um, situated all throughout uh, Judea and Galilee. So, but kind of like you would expect the the best politicians to wind up in Washington, D.C., or the best corporate people to wind up at the corporate headquarters. It was kind of like that with the scribes and the Pharisees. The best scribes and the best Pharisees, the people that had high standing, wound up in Jerusalem. So the, the people in Jerusalem sent 
a delegation of these guys out to check out what was going on with Jesus. So while they were there, these Pharisees and scribes observed what was going on, and the only thing they could really find that was going on that was that they felt was kind of wrong was this deal with with the washing of hands. Now you have to understand that the Pharisees and the scribes and even the Sanhedrin, the Jew and the Jewish people as a whole, were real obsessed with this whole cleanliness thing. If you go back and look at the Old Testament in the in the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus makes a big deal about things that are unclean and things that are clean, and when you're clean and when you're not clean, things that you can do that will make yourself unclean and how long you'll be unclean, what you have to do to, to, to make yourself clean again. It's, it's a big deal. But, and God set forth in his, in his law, in the book of Leviticus, those aspects of it. Well, you know, after, after um, the Jewish people were sent into bondage in Babylon and they got free, that the, the Pharisees and the scribes and those folks started to, to rise up. There were people that wanted to keep uh, the Jewish people from going back to that situation again. They wanted to keep people from... Uh, from uh, transgressing God's law again. So they started trying to interpret uh, God's law for the people. So they began to set forth. So this is how uh, set, they would read what was there, and then they would tell the people, this is how you can keep from transgressing this particular law, or this is what you need to do in order to keep this particular law. And so a whole um, there, there are some... Uh, Laws concerning personal cleanliness. They're, they are there about um, washing of hands and some stuff like that. But these people started to take it way out of hand. And in fact, we can look in the book of Mark in chapter 7, and we can read a little bit about that. This is a parallel passage to the one that we just read. And if you'll turn over there with me, we'll, we can read part of it together. So the, the first part of it says, The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating their bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, in fact, all the Jews will not eat unless they wash their hands ritually, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep like the washing of cups, jugs, copper utensils, and dining couches. So even they even had to clean what they sat on. I mean, when you walk into a restaurant, I don't know how many restaurants you walk into that they're wiping down the seat. I've never seen that, but I guess it could happen. But, um, you know, I mean, they wash down the table. They try to keep things clean and neat because people kind of like that, especially we here in America. We, we kind of have an obsession with cleanliness, too. Well, I spent... Um, two years living in Germany. And I'll tell you, the, wa- the price of water over there, you do not take a bath every day. Can't afford to take a bath every day. You're, you're doing good to be able to cook and wash your dishes every day. So my dad only allowed me to take a bath once a week. And a lot of other dads there, when we attended school, we kind of got used to the smell. I'll just tell you, we did. Um, and, and so in places where water is short, 
what it's a big deal. So he kind of gives you an idea of what they thought about cleanliness because they were willing to use this water over and over again to clean. So and and so it, it dictated the amount of water that was used, how they were supposed to clean their hands, what utensils had to be cleaned, how much water was supposed to be used on each one. Um, when it was supposed to happen, some people even said that if, when you ate, like to bring it up to our date, when you eat the salad, after you eat, before you eat the salad, you got to wash your hands. Before you eat the next course, you got to wash your hands again. And before you eat the next course, well, you got to wash your hands again. And it was a big, a big to-do about how, how clean you had to be. So... Um, this cleanliness thing, personally, I think it was kind of out of hand. But um, it, was for, it was not things that were set forth in the law. This, this was extra, I'll just put it like this, it was extracurricular activity on the part of the Pharisees. It was extra laws that they had put in place. It was man-made law. They were teaching it as doctrine. In fact, they were teaching it as doctrine so much that in some circles... They thought that if you transgress this law, that you were that you should be put to death, which is kind of silly to me. But you know, why would you put somebody to death because they didn't wash their hands before they ate some bread? Um, so, there, in fact, there's one um, one man who was on record. He was a rabbi. Um, he was. Um, I, he had been jailed for some reason, I don't know why, but when he, he requested that he be able to do his ritual cleansing. When they brought him the water, they didn't bring him a water, enough water to cleanse his hands and have water to drink. And so he sacrificed his water to drink in order to cleanse his hands in the ritual manner. He said he, would be more, he was more willing to die than to transgress the law, this tradition law. So... Um, just just to let you know how serious they were about this thing, so they so they asked Jesus, why didn't why how come your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat their bread? So Jesus doesn't give them an answer to that question. He does he did like he did quite a bit of the time. He asked them a question right back. This is the question he asked. He says, and why do you break God's commandment because of your tradition? And I'm sure they're kind of looking at each other, what tradition are we doing that's breaking God's law? Well, he tells them, he says, For God said, honor your father and your mother, and the one who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. And that was the law. That was a law given by God. That the person who did not honor his father and mother should be put to death. And, you know, if you don't follow what your, God, what your mother and father say, that's, it's like, it's like cursing them because you're disobeying them. You're, you're bound, God has bound you to follow what your mother and father have asked you to do. Um, you know, he's talking to some older folks whose parents are probably old, getting on in years, not able to get around, um, not able to do for themselves. And he goes on to ask them, he said, but you say, whoever tells his father and mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. So, so here's what the deal was. The mother and father are having problems 
financially or needing something or need some help. And the, the son goes to the father and mother and say, you know, whatever, whatever help you would have obtained from me, I've already dedicated that to the temple, so now I cannot use it for you. All right? Kind of sounds good, you know, right? It, it, so they, they thought that they, they would tell their parents, now, because we've done this, God's going to take care of you. So it's not on me anymore. Now it's on God. All right. So what's, but what's the commandment of God? The commandment of God is that we honor our mother and father. That includes taking care of them in their old age if they need something. That we don't ignore it. So, but they've de- but they've decided on their own. We're going to do this thing where we can devote that money to the temple. And then we won't have to give it to them. We won't have to waste it on our mother and father. Now, here's the kicker on this whole thing. They, don't, they, they gave this money to the temple. Guess where it stayed? It stayed in their bank account under their control because they didn't have to give it until after they died. So how crazy is that? They could do whatever they wanted to with this money, as long, but it was dedicated to the temple. Now, that, that whole thing, it's all convoluted to me. I don't understand that. Um, I could see where um, people would come up with that rule because people are greedy. People at heart, which we're going to see later, we're not, we're not good. We're depraved. We, we always are trying to find out, figure out ways that we can get around what God requires. So, and that's what they had figured out how to do. They had figured out a way that to get around what God had required. And here's and see, here's another thing about this. This law right here actually did deserve death. God did require the death of the person that transgressed this law. And yet they were doing that, and they were considering um, death for people who just hadn't washed their hands before they had eaten bread. Um, um, he does not have to honor his father. In this way, you have revoked God's word because of your tradition. Then he calls them hypocrites. Now, that's a pretty big judgment, and I would not myself go around calling somebody a hypocrite. But then again, I don't know people's hearts. I don't know who they are. I don't know their life. Jesus knows their hearts. He knows who they are. If anybody has a right to call them hypocrites, Jesus does have a right to call them hypocrites. He does have a right to to give that judgment. So he says, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips. So in public, they were, yeah, I'm the the guy that's going to follow God no matter what. But in their heart, they're far from me. In their heart, they're always trying to get around God's law. They're not trying to follow God's law. They're trying to figure out a way that they can get around God's law. And on top of that, while they're trying to do that, they're trying to heap more and more and more rules and regulations on the people around them to make it almost impossible for them to feel like they could even follow God. And then they're surprised when folks stop trying. Um. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. 
So I, I, I think that's blasphemy. When you, say, when you say this is from God, but it's not actually from God, when you give a command and you say God, told, God says that you're supposed to do this and it's not really true, So I, th- I think I think that would come under blasphemy. I'm not sure. It's at least at least a lie. So there they've transgressed the law. I think twice already just in doing that. Liars, well three times. They're liars. They've committed blasphemy. They've also tried to get around the law of God to honor your mother and father. So then Jesus summons the crowd. So I, I apparently I'm thinking this conversation that's going on is happening separate. They kind of pull Jesus aside and say, "Hey, what's the deal? How come you're not? How come your disciples aren't washing their hands before they eat bread?" So then he calls the crowd back over, and because I'm thinking they probably overheard some of this, I'm not real sure, but um, he summons the crowd back over and he says, "Listen and understand." It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles the man. And the disciples came up to him and told him, Hey, you know, what you just did there probably offended the Pharisees. So I think that was the last thing on Jesus' mind, is whether or not he had offended the Pharisees. In my book, the Pharisees had offended God. So... Um, Jesus replies to them, he says, every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into the pit. Now, when we, when we read that every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be uprooted, you know what I think of? You remember the last time I was here preaching? I was preaching on the wheat and the tares and how the, how the, how the uh, owner, the farmer, had gone out and planted the master. It was the master. Had gone out and, and sowed his, his field with seed, with good seed. And then an enemy came and sowed his seed with tares, which are not good seed. In fact, they're poisonous. So this kind of reminds me of that. And remember what, you remember what the, uh, the end of that was? So just leave them alone, let them grow up beside each other, and at the end, we'll separate the tares and the wheat, and the tares will throw off and we'll put them into the fire. So Jesus is reiterating that right here. He says, uh, every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be uprooted. And then he calls them blind guides. So picture this, you've got a bunch of people here looking looking to follow God, but they really don't know what's going on. And then these guys come up and they say, hey, follow us, we know the way, but they can't see. They're blind. They, they don't know the truth. So if you don't know the truth, how can you teach somebody else the truth? So these people are, so the um, Pharisees are leading these people in the wrong direction. And if you follow someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, you're going to wind up in the same place they are. So be for sure that the people that you listen to concerning God are not blind guides. 
be for sure that they're teaching the truth. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is you're going to have to be, you're going to have to know this better than they do. And you can't do that unless you pick it up and read it. It's the only way I know of. You can't do it by leaving it on the coffee table and somehow by the process of, I don't know, Bluetooth or something, it goes into your brain. It doesn't work that way. You have to actually read it. So then Peter replied to him, explain this parable to us. Well, if you look at that, that's not really a parable. It's not real. Jesus is pretty plain about what he's talking about. Explain this parable. And he'd already, whatever parable he had, he had mentioned, he'd already explained to them before. So Peter shouldn't even be asking this question. Um, Jesus replies, are you still lacking in understanding? He asks, don't you realize that whatever goes into mouth, into the mouth, passes into the stomach and is eliminated? So um, now I was reading some biology somewhere. And I forgive me, this might not be true. Maybe some of the people who are in the medical field can let me, can correct me on this. But when you eat food, that's not considered as actually having gone in, entered your body. It's actually considered to be outside of your body all the way through the process of elimination. It's, it's not considered to be in you. Um, now, your body does take nourishment from that, and that's, that stuff is the stuff that enters the body. The rest of it stays outside of your body until it's eliminated. So, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. When we eat, the, the food enters our body, it goes into our stomach, and there's stomach acids down there that helps digest it, which also, by the way, helps to take care of any impurities that might be there. And all the stuff that you don't need is eliminated and is the actual word that's used here in the Greek says it winds up on the ground. So we would say that it wind up in the toilet and flushed. Gone. So um, so what so how does that make a how would that how would eating food make a person unclean? Jesus says it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. Says, but what but what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles a man. So the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I used to do an illustration with my youth, is I would take a cup of water and I would put some dirt in it. I would set it down on the table. And I would take a regular cup of water that remained clean and I would set it down on the table. And I would give one to one youth, and I would give the other one to the other youth. Then I would walk up to them and shake them. And then I'd ask them, so what came out of that cup? And the one that held the dirty water said, well, dirty water came out of that cup. Now I asked them, can clean water come out of that cup? No, because there's dirty water in that cup. It's the only possibility is for dirty water to come out of that cup. Same thing with the clean water. When you, when you jostle that person, the clean water comes out. So whenever you get upset, whatever comes out, that's the condition of your heart. So think about that for a minute. So I had a friend one time, he asked me, Dave, what happens whenever you hit your thumb with a hammer? Now his 
thought was every time it happens to me, I utter a cuss word. I looked at him, I said, you know, I really don't know. It hasn't happened in a long time, so I really couldn't tell you what happens when I hit my, my thumb with a hammer. Well, I was at work about six months later, and I was using a hammer to destroy some merchandise before I put it in the dumpster, and I accidentally hit my thumb with the hammer. Immediately, I walked in and went up to, to Bob, and I said, Bob, I say, ouch. He says, what are you talking about? I said, well, you remember about six months ago, you asked me what do I say whenever, whenever I uh, hit my thumb with a hammer? I said, I say, ouch. So, but, so the condition of my heart was different from the condition of his heart. He, didn't, he still didn't believe me, by the way, but uh, be that as it may. Um, when we're upset, the condition of our heart comes out because we don't have the time to um, police what we do because we're reacting to something that's out of the ordinary. So um, Jesus says, For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So think about, think about murder. Let's think about murder for a second. So how many of y'all have ever killed somebody? Okay, how many of y'all have ever um, hated somebody? Okay, how many of y'all have ever lied about somebody's reputation? If you've done any of those things, guess what? You're guilty of murder. You're not clean. All right, so let's talk about adulteries. Um, how many of y'all have committed adultery? How many of y'all have ever thought about someone of the opposite sex? Um, lustfully, I'll just put it that way. I know I have. If, if you've done that, if you've, ever, if you've ever looked on someone of the opposite sex with wrong intentions... You've committed adultery. Guess what? You're guilt. You're not clean. Sexual immoralities. Okay, so that covers the other part of it. If you're not married and you have these thoughts, guess what? You're not clean. Thefts. All right. So all of y'all that raised your hand when you said that you had lied about somebody and ruined their reputation, you're guilty of theft. All right. So how many of y'all have, have ever decided that um, you weren't going to follow what God wanted you to do? If you've ever decided that you, how many of y'all have decided that you want to take credit for something that God did? When you do that, you're committing theft. You're stealing from God, all right? It's not just about stealing from one another. We can steal from God as well. Guess what? You're not clean. False testimonies. Anybody ever lied about anything? Trying to cover up. All right, you're not clean. You need to be, you need to be clean. Blasphemies. Blasphemies is when we, um, when we, if we use God's name in vain, excuse me, if we, if we, um, 
All right, so just just for there's there's a word that goes around the internet, three letters that goes around the internet, O M, and then there's the final letter. You do that, you're using God's name in vain. Okay, I'm just I'm going to put it bluntly. If you if you wear a t let's think about this for a second. You wear a T-shirt that has Jesus written on it and you go do something that's not in keeping with what Jesus would do, guess what? You've just committed blasphemy. So the law is pretty strict, and it's impossible for us to keep. I would tell you that everybody in this room, none of us are clean. Jesus said we're all defiled. We're all defiled, and and whatever comes out of us is defiled. Even when we're trying to worship God, there's a, there's a hint of that defilement that's on us, that, that God has to, he doesn't overlook it, but the Holy Spirit helps us to meet that criteria where our worship is pure before God. So, um, so the question becomes, if, if we're defiled already and everything that we do, everything that we say is defiled, well, how is it? How can we get clean? How does that work? How can we get clean? Now, if you've been paying attention to what, what's been being preached about in the book of Matthew, everywhere that Jesus went, people were healed. The lepers were healed, which, by the way, when they were healed, they were made clean. When the woman with the issue of blood, touched the hem of his garment. She was made clean. Um, it's, it's, throughout the, it's throughout the book of, it's throughout the Gospels. If you read and pay attention, they're, they're continually talking about um, Jesus making people clean because they touched him or he touched them or something that he did to them. Um, when the, when the paralytic was brought to Jesus and they let him down through the roof, he says, your, your sins are forgiven you. He was, he was making that man clean when he said that. So, um, so Jesus has the power to make us clean. When, when we touch him, he doesn't become unclean. That would be the normal course of events for most, for, for people. Is if a leper touched you, you would become unclean. For Jesus, that's not what happened. For Jesus, that leper became clean. So Jesus, Jesus can make us clean. And what he did for us on the cross, when he, he came, lived on this earth, and he lived a perfect life, he fulfilled the law completely. And he gave himself as a perfect sacrifice on the cross and shed his blood as a sacrifice. We were talking about the Passover today, about the Last Supper, um, where Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant. When he gave his life, he paid the penalty for our sin. It gave us the ability, if we accept that free gift that he gives us, to, um, to become clean. So this is what happens. My People that I've taught before, they're going to know what I'm fixing to do. So this is me, and this, this Bible is going to represent my sin. Where is my sin? My sin is on me. This hand is going to represent Christ. 
It's empty, but that represents his righteousness. So God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So now where's my sin? My sin is on Christ. Whose righteousness do I have? It's not my righteousness that I have. It's Christ's righteousness. So it's very important that we understand that what Jesus did for us, part of what he did for us was living that perfect life so that we could have his righteousness. It's very important. And it's also important that we know that when he lived that perfect life, he didn't do it as God. He did it as one of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can read the New Testament and that's what he says. I only do those things that the Father asked me. And he utilized the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. Guess what? Just like we're supposed to do it. Just like we're supposed to do it. So, um, as a matter of invitation, you may realize that you are unclean this morning. And you may want to avail yourself of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you could come forward and do that this morning. You may, you may be a Christian already and realize that you've been doing some things that, that you need to get right. You can come, this, this altar is open, you can come up and, and take care of that this morning. You don't even have to come up here, you can take care of that right where you are. Um, it doesn't matter. So um, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll, then we'll sing. Father, we want to come and thank you for bringing us here today. We want to thank you for your word. Father, most of all, we want to thank you for Christ who, um, who is not afraid to call us out where we're wrong. Father, we want to thank you for what he did for us on the cross. We want to thank you for the righteousness that's available to us through um, his life, his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. Father, we ask that you would um, be with us today. Father, that you would speak to our hearts and help us to respond in a manner that will bring honor and glory to your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask these things for his sake. Amen.